Welcome to Export Stories, a podcast featuring first-person insights from the wide and sometimes crazy world of U.S. exporting. Your host for Export Stories is Betsy Olam, president of Olam International, a U.S.-based export management company. Betsy has made a 37-year career of developing global sales and distribution for U.S. companies. Like you, she loves great stories. You don't have to be an exporter to enjoy the stories we're going to share with you each month. We're so glad you've joined us. Now, here is Betsy to introduce today's podcast. Hello, ciao, bonjour, hola, konnichiwa, ni hao, marha ben, namaste, and shalom. Welcome to Export Stories Podcast 2024. Thank you for joining us. This is year number six. Can you believe it? And I'm your host, Betsy Olam, uh, and I welcome you all. So we have the good fortune to be joined by Andre Milanis, Andy to his peers, the founder and CEO of Argentech. Let me tell you just a little bit about Andy. He was born in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and currently resides in Ontario, Canada. He loves traveling with his wife, Julia, and three children. At work, he is the company's respected and stern yet friendly and approachable leader. He hosts monthly game days. I'm going to ask him about that. He hosts monthly game days where he showcases his non-existence, his words, drawing skills, and quick wit and sense of humor. So um, Andy's been in charge of Argentech for 14 years, and we're going to have a great discussion with Andy. But first, a word from our sponsor. We are all about storytelling here, and there is another story I want to tell you about. It's the story about how one company can help you solve your commercial real estate needs, whether in town, across the nation, or over the oceans. That company is Levy Commercial Realty, LLC. They provide strategic commercial real estate advisory and brokerage services. I'm talking about retail. I'm talking about restaurants entertainment and distribution. Levy's clients include local legends, regional brands, and Fortune 50 companies known around the world. You're going to want to join Levy's select group of clients. Their email is contact at levycommercial.com. That's Levy, L-E-B-Y, commercial.com, and I'll post it on our website. Now back to the show. Without further ado, it is my honor to introduce you to Andy. Hello, Andy. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Betsy. I'm, I'm honored to be here. I'm very happy to be your guest, and I'm happy that we can get together like this and chat a little bit about Argentech. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we're about storytelling here. So the first thing I'd love to hear from you is a little bit more about your, your background story. Well, I was born in Argentina, as you mentioned, but I lived most of my life in the U.S., in New York City. Mm -hmm. At the age of 16, I started working in an electronics store right across the street from the Empire State Building, where I got a chance to do two things. One, learn about sales of consumer electronics, and two, meet people from all over the world. Uh, That was really my first exposure to both sales and all types of people from all around the world. Um, And that's where I started my career, if you will. From there, I got into export. In 03, I started working with somebody in the export world. And Mm -hmm. 
we were selling a lot into Europe. And from 2003 until 2008 or 2009, we had a good run. And as you may remember, 2008, there was a worldwide recession, which hit the United States, but also hit Europe very, very hard. Sure. We had receivables, and we had some things that didn't go as planned. Right. And that company no longer exists, but I was too young and too poor to retire. So I decided to, <laughs> to do it on my own, and I started Argentech. Ah. Uh. That's that's a, a great story. Do I remember 2008? Oh my goodness, yes. We I think we all do. And uh, but you know, like you said, um, we learn from the failures. And I wouldn't call that a failure. That was just you know we learn from those unfortunate things that happen with business. So I can appreciate that. Um, the name Argentech, what, uh, where did that come from? What does that mean? So you may remember that in the olden days, we used to use something called the Yellow Pages. And it was a guide <laughs> for, for the younger listeners. The Yellow Pages was a big book that got delivered to your house every year. You didn't know where it came from or why it showed up on your doorstep. It was right. thousands of pages. And it had it was effectively a directory for all of the businesses in your area. Mm -hmm. And a technique that everybody used to use was to start their business with the letter A. Because you wanted to be at the very front, at the very top of that directory. Ah, okay. When I started the business, that was one of the things that I wanted. Uh, very common in our industry is to use business-to-business -business directories. And right. companies that have numbers or letters usually are the ones that get contacted first. Yeah. So I knew I wanted to start it with an A. Uh, I was born in Argentina, which is definitely a motivator to name it Argentech, obviously. Uh, and we sell technology. So it's, it's really a part Argentina technology. There is a, a second piece to it, if you will. Uh -huh. The reason Argentina is called Argentina is because the, uh, the periodic table, or I guess, no, let's take a step back. The name of the element in Latin is Argentum, and Argentina was very rich in, in silver. So you could look at it two ways. It could either be Argentina in technology or Argentum in technology. Yeah. So that's, that's where it came to be. That works really well. I had never heard that before uh, about the name of Argentina, and I've been to Argentina, but that's that's really fascinating. Uh, it makes perfect sense now if you look back at the history. So that's cool. Good thing to learn. Um, so why not let you just for a minute enlighten us, you know, a little bit more about your products and how you distribute, who you sell to, that kind of thing. Sure. We sell brand name consumer electronics brands. All of us have probably heard of like Apple or Amazon, or Google, sure. Logitech, JBL, Meta, just to name a few. We sell, we have customers and active customers in over 60 countries today. Wow. And we, dis we distribute mostly through express carriers like FedEx and DHL. Okay. We do also have customers that purchase using C-Freight. But the truth of the matter is that the types of products that we sell are expensive and at the same time, uh, devaluate quickly, if you will, or are replaced quickly. So if you were to stick a laptop on a ship and send it over to Europe and wait three months for it to get there, by the time it gets there, there's a new model that came out. Right, right. 
So, so obviously air freight is, is the way uh, to, to move your product and, and your, your customers, your direct customers, those are dealers of Argentech. How do you do that? So they aren't dealers in the formal sense. They are, they resell the products in their own countries. Some of them have brick and mortar retail shops. Others okay. have internet shops or internet presence. Some of them do a little bit of distribution within their countries. And that pretty much, much makes up the three types of customers that we service normally. Okay, I see. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, so uh, tell me if I said this right. I said that I stated that you had won the export of the year in Delaware for 2023 by the U.S. Small Business Administration. Was it for the whole country or was it for Delaware? It doesn't really matter. It's a fabulous uh, honor, but I just wondered if I said that right. <laughs> you did actually. And I'll tell you something. A year and a half ago, I had no idea what that award was. <clears throat> yeah, We have a business mentor based out of Wilmington. Her name okay. is Margot Rain. And one day I got a phone call from Margot and she says to me, Andy, I'd like to nominate you as Delaware Exporter of the Year. And I said, Marco, that's wonderful. What is that? <laughs> yeah, and she, she explained to me that it was an award that's given by the Small Business Administration, which is part of the U.S. government, right. and that it normally has a six-month process where you submit your application, you tell your story, your struggles, yeah. and then there's a panel of judges who determines who the winner is. There were a lot of things happening in my personal life at that time. I yeah. filled out the application, had a call with Margot, got some feedback from her, sent yeah. it to her, and completely forgot about it. <laughs> Six months later, I got a phone call. And yeah. it was somebody from the SBA telling me that we had won this award. Wow. So, of course, a part of me was super excited to have won something. Yeah. But at the same time, she told me that we would be receiving the award on May 4th. Now, May 4th is my wife's birthday. Oh, already, yeah, we had booked a trip to St. Lucia. And I said to her, thank you very much, but I cannot accept it in person because that's my wife's birthday. And on the other side of that call, I, I'm not sure what she was feeling, but yeah. what she put out was complete hesitation. And she stuttered a bit and she said, well, uh, I guess somebody else from your company can accept it. And I said, well, thank Aww. you very much. And I just Aww. left it there. And then I, I went on the SBA's website and I did a little, little bit of digging and I understood what a huge deal this award is for them. There is Big one deal. person in the entire state of Delaware who wins Exporter of the Year each year. Right. Right. And that was us. And it, the award was awarded to us by the governor of Delaware. Oh my And I gosh. went back and I said to my wife, I know it's your birthday, but this is a huge deal. And she immediately <laughs> said, yep take a flight back home sooner and just go get the award and go do what you need to do. So it was, oh. it was huge, but yes. you know, it's, it's, I wish I would have treated it the whole situation. I wish I would have treated the whole situation with the seriousness that it deserved because it's given us so much exposure and so much yeah. credibility. And when yeah. we reach out to a new customer today, the first thing that any customer who sits on the other half of the world thinks to themselves is who is Argentech and why should I send them $50,000 on good faith. And right. when you could say to them, the US government has given our company an award, it builds so much credibility right off right. the bat. 
Right. So it's and, been a and no, it's it's incredible and congratulations on that. It does mean a lot. There is only one exporter of the year from every state. And it's not only is it an honor, like you say, but it's something people should want because it's really good for business, for their business to be recognized that way. And it also, uh, excuse me, it also, um, you, you, you set an example for other companies. And so I wanna add on to that with a question. What do you think is the importance of the small to medium-sized exporters to the U.S. economy? I mean, it's kind of a bigger, more general question, but I'd like to hear what you think. Well, I could definitely tell you that is above my pay grade, but I, I'm going to speculate. I think that okay. we've got a trade deficit in the United States. We bring more in than we put out. Yes. And as an exporter, I do think that I'm helping, even in the most minuscule of ways, tip the scales back in our direction. And I think that every exporter does that. I think that in the United States, we have a lot of innovation. We have a lot of entrepreneurship that we don't you don't necessarily see in other places right. and i think that when we export we're able to share that with other people in addition to that as far as the economy goes i do think that there's a like i said a trade deficit and an imbalance and we are helping recreate that balance definitely and so yeah that's exactly right i'm going to add to that from what i know from having been an exporter for years and years, being on the District Export Council and having done this podcast now for six years. Um, you know, there are traditional exporters in this country, big companies who've been exporting for years. But if we are going to increase the exports from the U.S. and, and help, uh, you know, decrease the deficit, it's going to come from small to medium-sized companies. Those are the companies out there who are just thinking about exporting or have done it on a small scale. And, you know, with help, they're just going to, they're able to grow and grow that business. And that's good for the economy. So, uh, yeah, I think I, I, I like talking about it because I want people to understand if you're a small company out there, here's Andy. He can he tell he can tell you that you can do it if you have the right product, right? Absolutely. And I think for a lot of people, exporting is something that they don't know, so they don't want to try for fear of making a mistake. And there's truth to that, but there's also a lot of reward to exporting. We've mm -hmm. got 335 million people or so who live in the United States and 7 billion around the globe. So the market is humongous. Now, obviously not everybody can go and buy your product because then we'd all be rich. There's a huge market out there for whatever product you're selling, which is outside the United States. Yeah. Even for American flags, I'm sure you could find a market outside the United States. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it's, it's the barrier to entry is a little bit daunting for people. And I do yeah. think it takes uh, some getting used to and some trial and error and some learning from your mistakes. Yeah, and, and we've talked a lot with uh, a number of companies and service providers on this podcast, and we talk a lot about how the Department of Commerce has 
just those services for small to medium-sized companies. And also the SBA helps small to medium-sized companies export. They, they have a mentoring program too. So yeah, so the point is, is that there's help out there. And uh, so you're not alone and it's, and you're not reinventing the wheel because so many companies like yourself have started, you know, from the beginning of exporting. So exactly. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll just plug Export Delaware here. Um, oh, as you said, yeah. there, there's plenty of people out there to help. There is a part of the, I believe they're, they're part of the SBA. They're called Export Delaware. Uh-huh. Uh, Beth Pomper over at Export Delaware would be very happy to meet U.S. manufacturers who are looking to bring their business outside. That's so, correct. Just like you said, I can speak only for Delaware, and I'm sure that sure. the same is mirrored throughout all 50 states. Most most states do have a a, a program to help exporters. There's also uh, a grant program, the STEP grant, uh, which most states offer. So there's a lot. There's a lot of help out there. So. Yeah, I, I just wanted to emphasize that today. Now, I, there's, I have a question about something I saw on your website. I saw, and, and I'm going to link your website uh, to the episode page of this of this website, so people will be able to, to look at the Argentech website. But uh, it says on there you're a member of VIP Gold Handalot, and I wonder what that was. That's one of those business to business business directories that I mentioned. We're we're okay. a member of there, um, and it's a good place for us to meet potential customers. There yeah. are many of these different B two B directories, and that's how we often find new customers. Wow. The truth right. is that most of our customers, believe it or not, have come from direct contact. So we do have a team of about a dozen sales reps, and they're scattered pretty much around the globe. We've got quite a large team in North Macedonia and uh, some of them in Argentina, which shouldn't be much of a surprise. Right. Um, yeah. And, and what they do is they go out and they reach out to those resellers directly. And yes. most of our new business comes through that type of outreach. Sure. No, no. It, it, it's a combination of those things is, is, a really a great way to go. So, and and this VIP gold handle lot is that for a particular industry, or or are they more general than that? I only know them inside of the consumer electronics space. I don't know okay. if they do anything bigger than that. Okay. The the one that I could mention that is covers a ton of different interest industries is exporter SG. I okay. guess for those of us in the United States that are looking to export your product outside of the United States, uh, mm -hmm. that's a good resource, whether you're in the agriculture, agricultural manufacturing or, you know, reselling of consumer electronics. It has right. a very, very large directory. One thing I will say as a word of warning to any of our listeners is yeah. do not, do not extend terms without doing your due diligence. Yes. That's probably something everybody who's listening to this podcast knows, but yes. outside of the United States, you have very little chance to collect if there are bad actors out there. And trust me when I tell you, there are tons of bad actors. Yes, there are. Yeah. I mean, who, who doesn't, 
just have a get a scam on their phone every day or you know i mean exactly and it's just uh it's more complicated when you're collect you know trying to collect money from a foreign buyer so absolutely do your homework and and use the resources to do that yeah that's good really good advice um just just a little bit uh of a discussion about what it's been like for your business uh over the last couple of years since since we came out of covid what's it been like for your company so I'm not sure what other small businesses are like. I can tell you what our small business is like. Mm -hmm. And it isn't just, it isn't predictable always. Um, COVID was definitely a roller coaster of emotions. When, when, the, when we all got the news that there was this global pandemic and the world shut down in March of 2020, yes. we saw two things. One is we saw a complete lack of movement because of the fact that many of our goods come from the Far East. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the things are manufactured in Asia, which really was the first to shut down. The other part of it was the whole logistical nightmare. Nobody was going yeah. to work. Nobody was processing inventory and moving boxes from point A to point B. So that made moving inventory very challenging. And I'm sure you know this firsthand. But then the last thing is we're in a space where we sell luxury goods. The first thing people did when they feared that they were going to lose their job and the world was coming to an end. Oh no! The first thing they did is they went out and bought toilet paper. The second <laughs> thing they did is they yeah. stopped spending money on luxury goods. Right. So for the months of April and May of 2020, we saw a quiet that I didn't know we can come back from. It was radio silence. Now, the interesting thing is that immediately after that, what happened is everybody decided that they need to work from home. They need Logitech webcams. They need new headsets. Yeah, yeah. They need keyboards. They need laptops. They need mice. And our business grew tremendously. Interesting. So, yes, it was, it was quite a roller coaster because we went from doing, I, I don't know, dollar value, but we, we went from you know shipping 60% of the orders we would in, in May yeah. to shipping 120% of the orders we would in June. So wow. we went from doing almost half the business we would have normally in one month to uh -huh. you know, 120 or 150% the following month. So we really had a huge swing from month to month. Oh my goodness. What are, what are you feeling about 2024? Um, are you feeling good? Do you have some concerns um, in general? Well, I do want to mention one thing before I get to 2024. Post-pandemic, we, we had a couple of years where it was actually quite good. Mm -hmm. um, then 2022, something happened. We, we saw an invasion in Ukraine. And right. as I mentioned to you, we've got a big customer base in Europe. And yeah. while we were just coming from that high of post-pandemic um, spending, we saw that there's this invasion in Europe. Now, once again, we saw something very similar. When, you, when Ukraine was invaded, the Europeans pretty much all decided unilaterally that they're not going to spend money on luxury goods again. And it makes sense. There's a war happening in your backyard and you don't know if you're next. So what we saw in 2022 was a dip that we didn't predict. As a matter of fact, I'll go one step further. 
we actually projected that 2022 was going to be their best year to date. And, and it wasn't. We, we saw a big setback starting in March, more specifically April, May, June, right. uh, especially in Europe. The British pound was an all-time low. The yeah. euro was 98 cents to 98 euro cents. Uh, sorry, 98 US cents per euro. Yeah. And their economy really did suffer because of that war. Now, I do think it's bounced back quite well. And I do think that those fears have subsided because of the fact that we didn't see anything really earth shattering take place in Ukraine. Obviously, they're still fighting. There's a humanitarian aspect to it. But as far as the rest of Europe is concerned, it's business as usual. Now, 2023. Can I just, yeah. May I just interrupt and just say this? Uh, yeah, I mean, right now it is business as usual. And I'm just going to, you know, input something that I'm concerned about. And that is that war could go a different way. They, they haven't won and it's not over. And if, Ukraine loses, there's a very real possibility that Russia could try to expand, you know, into other countries if they win. So uh, I just think people need to be aware that, yeah, it's, it's a war, it's way over there, it's not really affecting us. It could really affect us again if Europe shuts down and is putting all their resources into just protecting themselves. So, you know, uh, that's my two cents. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I completely agree with you. Now I will preface this by saying that I'm not somebody who's well-versed in the politics of Eastern Europe, sure. but I do have three kids and you have to draw boundaries for children. And when you don't draw boundaries for children, they learn that they can get away with taking more than they should. Exactly. Now, I think it's kind of the same here. Not to compare Putin to a child. You can. You, on this podcast, you can. But okay. <laughs> but, but I do think that historically we have seen situations where yeah. when you make concessions, those concessions don't end there. And my yeah. fear is that if a concession is made with Ukraine, just like yours, that it may, I'm not saying it won't be, but it may not be the last border right. which gets redrawn. Right. And I think that would absolutely affect Europe. And by affecting Europe or, or because it affects Europe, it'll continue to affect the United States. I don't know what the right thing is, and I don't want to speculate right and wrong. Yeah, yeah, no, of course not. That's, yeah, but, but I just, you know, I just think it's important to think about that connection, uh, not only do we export, you know, so much business to Europe, but we also import goods from Europe. And uh, so anyway, it's it's important. And I just think people should be aware that that, you know, that the the outcome could affect us. So but anyway, yeah. And absolutely. Uh, I think it's it's extremely important to understand how interconnected interconnected we are and how small the world is. Right. I think once you start to understand how we depend on each other, right. you really understand that what happens in a different continent affects you directly. I know. I know. Sometimes it's easy to forget that, but it's it's true. It's really true. So 
So um, now what I would love is if you have a few stories that you would like to share with us about your exporting. Well, as far as stories to share with you, I've got plenty. <laughs> Good. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my early journey. Good. So I got into exporting and I didn't start on my own. I was working for somebody and I learned a lot of lessons there. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I learned is not to put all of your eggs in one basket. One of the issues that I mentioned was that we had bad receivables. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the, the, that I think that could have been avoided by diversifying our customer base a little bit further. Yes. yes. When you've got one customer or when you've got one vendor or when you've yeah. got one product line that yeah. makes up a large percentage of your business, you have right. to understand that you are re de depending on that product to feed you. And if that product or that customer or that vendor or that sales rep or that buyer decides yeah. to turn their back on you, then your yeah. business is done for. Mm -hmm. So one of, the, one of the things we learned early is to diversify. Unfortunately, we learned it because of negative circumstances, because we, we learned from our mistakes, as you said before. So yeah. one of the things we're doing now, and we have been doing over the course of the last five, six years, is constantly, oh, actually more, almost 10 years is constantly try to have no one point of failure. As an yeah. example, we've got more customers in more places than we ever have. We've mm -hmm. got more vendors than we've ever had. We even internally, we've got more sales reps and more buyers this way. Even part of our team, if somebody were to be sick or, or leave or retire, it yeah. wouldn't completely destroy our business. Right. So one piece of advice is do diversify, 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 whether it's your customer base or your products or your vendors. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, that such an important lesson. Uh, and, th and that in general is what exporting is about. Uh, if you're a, a U.S. company and you have uh, U.S. customers Sometimes the U.S. market goes up and down, and so all the different markets that you're selling to, uh, it's just going to be different. Different things are happening to different economies at different times. So I think that's, I believe that's what you're saying. Absolutely, and we we see it all the time. We used to sell into Russia before the war. Russia made up five percent of our sales, and overnight, that was wiped out. Wow. Granted, five percent is not huge. But yeah. that, that's exactly the point, the fact that you should diversify. But in the event of a huge yeah. disruption, you only yes. lose 5% of your business and you could still come back to the office tomorrow. Exactly, exactly. And you're the perfect example of that. And it's great. So uh, and thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Is any, any other stories you want us to hear about? If there's anything else you want to share? Well, on the export side, I think we've, all learned a lot of lessons. If you if you've done export before, uh, there mm -hmm. are lessons to be learned. One of the things that you really have to remember is that you are dealing with different countries and different customs and different mm -hmm. processes for each country. So it is a learning curve over and over and over again. 
as an example, we've recently shipped to a customer in Nigeria, and that was the first time selling to Nigeria. And the customs clearing process for Nigeria is far longer than most of the other countries that we ship to. Wow. So, yeah. And, and I don't know if it was a one-off or because it was the first time we shipped into the country, yeah. but we had set the customer's expectations incorrectly. We told uh-huh. the customer it takes seven days for FedEx to bring you your goods, which is true Yeah, if everything else goes according to plan. But the goods ended up sitting in customs for 14 days, and it took 21 days for our customer to get his merchandise. And yes, you can imagine the frustration the customer had because we told him it's going to be there next week, and it ended up taking three weeks. So one thing to really remember is you're dealing with a lot of different governments and different jurisdictions, and it's not always going to go as you plan. So try to be transparent is my advice to exporters, especially new exporters, Set the yeah. expectations correctly in yeah. the event that you've never shipped to Nigeria. The best thing you could do is say, we've never shipped to Nigeria, but it does normally take seven days to get to Europe, for example. Right. Um, but being transparent with the customer is something that I think that I believe is is always a winning proposition, especially as an exporter where there's a lot of trust being given to you or, or sometimes yeah. vice versa across an, an ocean. So this person in Nigeria has no recourses outside of calling us directly and asking us for an explanation. Yeah. So it's best to try to be transparent, try to set those expectations early and uh, don't always try to, how can I phrase this? Overpromise. Yeah. Don't, don't overpromise. That's, I think that's a great way of putting it. Don't overpromise. Try to be as accurate as possible and explain that there's room for discrepancies in the shipping world. Right. Right. And, you know, hopefully uh, your freight forwarder that you select can help you anticipate some of those issues. I guess you need to do some research when you're first selling into a country as well. Uh, or, you know, also uh, your Department of Commerce office uh, can maybe help you find out what some of the, if there's going to be any real, you know, unusual uh, requirements or something like that. So, yeah, no, that's that's really a good, um, you know, example and story. Yeah, thank you. And 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 we keep hearing that Nigeria is, is a booming market. It's got a booming population. So I wish you good luck in future Nigeria sales. That's that's cool. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I have a last question. Um, please explain to us what your company game days are all about. Ah, game day. So we've got <laughs> staff in eight different countries. And one of the things about not being in the office is that you often don't get a chance to meet all of your peers or colleagues. Right. About three years ago, we decided that we need a way to come together as a group and learn about each other. So the first game day, we played a game called Two Truths and One Lie, where everybody would say three things about themselves, and two of them were true and one of them was not. And this was a good icebreaker because 
somebody in accounting may never speak to somebody in procurement and right. somebody in logistics may never speak to somebody in sales. Well, that actually probably never going to happen, but this logistics and sales seem to be talking all the time, but <laughs> right, the but departments may not have overlap where they communicate. So this was a great way for us to learn about each other. Uh, I do remember that one of our, my colleagues, his name is Jaime. Uh, one of his truths was that he's into airsoft, which is like paintball. Um, another one had told us that they, uh, they went skydiving and landed into a body of water, if I remember correctly. Oh my gosh, uh, and that was a truth? That was one of the truths, yes. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, I love this game. Yeah, I, I've heard this game before. And yeah, it really helps you get to know people, especially, you know, when you're talking about business all day, you don't know that people have these crazy personal lives that they do things. Right, especially when you work remotely. I would never have right. known those things if it wasn't for the fact that we set an hour aside that day just to learn about each other. Well, what came after that was uh, every single month, a new person would ho host a game day and we would try different games. One of the yeah. games was a drawing game where you have one person who draws and everybody else has to guess what that is. And these were all online games for the record. And oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a, that one was a good one. There was one with memes. Uh, every every month there's something new, and it's always fun, and it's a great way to bring our team together on more than just a work level. That is so creative. I love it. So so the person who's responsible for game day that month comes up with the game. Yes, and we do see some repeats, obviously, because some of them are really fun games, and everybody seems to get a good laugh out of them. There's another yeah. game called. Uh, a, called it's like broken telephone but drawing so one person draws something and then the next person has to guess what it is and then the yeah. following person has to draw something based on that person's game uh, guess and it's hilarious because what you start with and what you finish with are completely different that's so cool and you and there's an online way to do that if you're remote Yes, absolutely. Oh. Everything is done online. I've actually gone up and gone out and bought myself a drawing tablet just so I could be better. But nonetheless, it's still chicken scratches and hieroglyphics. Oh, I love it. Well, um, you know, you may need to copyright game days because it's so cool. I like that very much. And thank you for sharing that. And Andy, just thank you for being a guest today. This was so much fun to talk to you and learn about your business. You have a great business. It's fascinating. And you obviously deserve the Exporter of the Year Award. So thank you for being here and sharing with us today. Thank you very much. And congratulations on six years on the, this podcast. <laughs> I, I heard you. many of the previous episodes and it's so much fun to learn about the other guests and their businesses and how they do things different than we do. Well, thank you. I appreciate your saying that. Um, gosh, I was going to say something to our listeners. I think you, you said it for me, but, um, you know, we really are trying to create a community of exporters and we would love for you, the listener, to reach out and, you know, make some comments. You can make comments on the episode page here, exportstoriespodcast.com. Uh, we are also on Facebook and LinkedIn. So, you know, we would love a conversation. I know Andy would love to hear your thoughts and, and share your ideas and stories as well. 
Absolutely. And I just want to mention on the tail end of that comment, Betsy, that if anybody of your listens, if any of your listeners need a sounding board or want to ask me questions about export or sales for that matter, I'm always open to hearing your questions and contributing and giving you some feedback. So I do believe this community, this export community has a lot to um, learn and a lot to gain, myself included, from mm-hmm. exporting. So any, any of those maybe exporters out there that have questions, they want to hear from me, feel free to reach out. Oh, that's so generous. Thank you, Andy. And anybody take him up on that because mentorship is just a wonderful gift to give to another business. So anyway, here we are out of time, but we're going to be back with another episode. And thank you again, Andy, for being with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to Export Stories. Perhaps you have a good export story that you would like to share with us or a comment about today's podcast. You can send your ideas and comments to our website at exportstoriespodcast.com or to Betsy Olam on LinkedIn. Subscribe to our newsletter at exportstoriespodcast.com so we can alert you of upcoming episodes and share resources with you. We're building a community of export storytellers, so please share this podcast with your friends who have interest in exporting. 